Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you. So uh, we learned that moms like to cook and nap. <laughs> Thank God uh, that you guys do a whole lot more than that. Amen. 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 Why don't we uh, Why don't we just start off with prayer? Lord, we thank you for. Uh, for all the mothers, Lord, we thank you for all the women. We thank you for all the children, Lord. Uh, we thank you this morning that it's all your idea. Um, we walk into those things, Lord. We experience them, Lord. We, we see the blessings, Lord. We, we see the trials and the difficulties as well, Lord God. Um, but we're grateful that it's, it's ordained by you, Lord God. We're grateful that you have all the answers, Lord. We're grateful that uh, as our children grow, uh, they're able to see more of, of who uh, you've made their mothers to be, Lord God, the same way that as we grow, we're able to see more of who you are, Lord. We ask that you would have your way in this service, Lord. We ask that you would meet every need. We ask that uh, for the mothers, Lord, uh, that they would be encouraged, that they would be strengthened, Lord God, that they would be uh, established in a special way, uh, not only just here today in this time, Lord, but always, Lord that they would really receive uh, the honor that uh, should be bestowed upon them, Lord God. Uh, we thank you for the labor, uh, not just to birth children into the world, Lord God, but to care for them, to take care of them, the labor done, even to share uh, this morning uh, what our children are going through here in this place. Lord, have your way over this service. Have your way over this message. Touch the hearts and the minds of your people, Lord, your sons and your daughters here in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. So uh, we are in the second week of our series here. It's titled A New Way Forward. And our focus is about dramatically changing the future of our individual lives and dramatically changing the future of this church by taking new paths and trusting God, trusting God with new levels of surrender, right? A new way forward. We have to do things differently. We can't do them the way that we did them yesterday or last week or last year, right? We have to do things differently, and it needs to be dramatic. There are certain things that have been done right, and they need to be furthered. There are certain things that we just have to start, and we have to start now. We need change. We need this new direction. Last week, we talked about um, these mountaintop experiences that God gives us. 
where we have this transfiguration experience. You see God in a new way and just everything is going to be different. And the reason he gives us those experiences so that we can go back down into the valley of our lives and live with a new understanding, live in a new way. We're not meant to stay on the mountaintop experiences. We're not built to stay up there on that level. We're built to live our lives down here where there's tough times and where there's difficulties and where there's unanswered questions and where there's sickness and where there's frustration. Uh, he gives us these experiences and these moments to help us down in what I would call kind of the real world or our reality. So <clears throat> John chapter 16, verse 20 says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, your sorrow will be turned into joy. Somebody say amen. Amen. He says, a woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. So Jesus is talking to his disciples about the fact that he's got to leave and that they're going to be heartbroken. There's going to be sorrow. There's going to be pain. They're going to go from this mountaintop experience down into a valley where they think everything is going to end in destruction. He says, don't worry about it. I'm going to come back. Your sorrow will be turned into joy. And the best uh, explanation that he can give or the best example is that of a woman who's having a child where it's pain and it's sorrow and, and it seems like it's never going to end and you can't believe you're in this situation. And then all of a sudden there's this life and then the joy comes, right? And then the smile comes. What greater mountaintop experience can there be than going through nine months of pregnancy, enduring labor, and then looking into the eyes of this miracle? <laughs> you got this baby now in your arms sitting there staring back at you. You know, uh, I appreciate Vanessa asking all these kids, you know, when did you meet your, when did you meet your mom? And they're all trying to figure it out. I don't know when I met her. I think I was three or four. <laughs> kind of had this encounter. But I think the same question could be asked of, of mothers. When did you meet, you know, your child? Was it at conception? Was it during the nine months? Or was it that moment where you feel like now we're face to face? Now I get to see this child, right? So there's this joy. There's this mountaintop experience. But then comes sleepless nights. Somebody say amen. amen. For some mothers, then comes postpartum depression. We never think about stuff like that, right? Where you have this baby, and then all of a sudden there's these feelings and these emotions and this depression that a lot of mothers go through. Then for some mothers comes this inability to nurse and feeling inadequate, right? You've got this child and you have all these plans and you're ready to, to literally feed them and take care of them and it won't take and, and you can't do what you feel like you were supposed to do. Then for some mothers, instead of taking them home and there being joy and they get into the, the room and into the crib, the baby has to stay at the hospital in ICU for weeks sometimes. So the opportunities for valleys seem to just keep on coming right from the beginning, from a mountaintop experience to all of a sudden you're in this valley. And then that it continues when they're 1, 2, 5, 10, 15, 25. There's all these opportunities for valleys. There seems to be a lot more opportunities for valleys than there are for mountaintop experiences. The reality is that the dream most mothers have for their children rarely comes true. The mothers always love their kids, right? But the dream of what their love would produce in the lives of their children, 
uh, seems to be pretty far from the reality. When you're pregnant and you're planning the rest of their life out, <laughs> when they're small and you're saying, look, all this love that I'm going to pour into them, it's going to produce this. No matter what, I'm going to love like this and this is what the kids are going to be like. But that's not the reality. Your dream isn't actually what happens in the lives of most kids. Mothers say, I thought this was going to happen. And I thought I'd be this kind of mom. You know, it seems like all of our moms are doing beans and rice. <laughs> but when they were pregnant, they're like, oh, it's going to be a three-course meal every morning before school. They're going to have bacon, eggs, homemade waffles, not that ego stuff. And then I'm going to pray with them on their way to school. And then they're going to walk to their class, and they're going to stop and turn around and say, mom, I love you. Can't wait to see you after school. <laughs> And then that dream is dashed because it goes away real quick. Moms would say, man, I thought all the sacrificing that I was going to do, they were going to realize it right there in the moment and say, you're, such, you're so sacrificial, mom. How many mothers do we know that can honestly say it's all gone exactly according to plan? Are there any in this room? Do you know one that you could call right now and they'd say, yeah, motherhood has gone exactly according to my plan? How many mothers, especially Christian mothers, that have grown kids now, if they were to look back, what they'd actually say is, if I could go back, I'd change the dream. <laughs> I'd change what it was when I was pregnant and, and early on in those years, what I was dreaming for for my kids. If I could go back now that they're 25, 35, 45, I'd change the dream because it didn't turn out according to the last dream. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. What that means is if you're hoping for something and it's deferred, it's not actually coming to pass, you're not seeing what it was that you hoped for, it literally makes your heart sick. Maybe the dream didn't come true and they spent too much time hoping and trying to make it come true, right? Every day, the dream's a little further off and then you pour yourself into, but I'm still going to make it happen. I, I'm just hoping for this thing to come to pass. Some moms will tell a story of, the, the dream that they had coming true for what they wanted for their kids, but it actually cost them their kids, right? Their success in the lives of the child caused them to lose their relationship with the child because they went on and left mom and dad behind. Maybe the dream was too small, and then we look at our kids and we're like, man, they live on a low plane because we didn't have a big dream for them. How about the moms here that still have small kids? We saw a bunch of them go running off this morning. We know a lot of moms like that. How's your dream life going with those little ones? The dreams that you have for them, the things that you expected to happen. Is it going according to plan? <clears throat> I asked Mary on the way to church this morning, hey babe, what's the, what's the best part about being a mom? What's the best part about motherhood? And she said, on a surface level, it's being wanted and being needed. I thought about that for a second. I said, I guess that makes sense. She says, you know, she knew, she was trying to tell me that it's kind of like fleshly and surface level. She said, you know, you have this person that wants you and this person that literally needs you for, for everything. And then she said, on a deeper level, though, it's about 
partnering with God and him wanting to use me as a, as a mother to do all the things that are out of my control. She says, he has to take care of them. He has to provide for them. He has to educate them. He has to help them to grow spiritually. He said, she says, but he wants, he wants to use me to help him do that. And there's nothing more amazing than that. I thought, wow, that's pretty profound. I stopped there because I knew what I was going to be talking about today. I didn't want to get myself in trouble. I could have said, well, is it all that you dreamed of? <laughs> Do every day you wake up and you just jump out of bed and say, partnering with God. <laughs> yes. We're going to make it happen today. But I already know the answer to that. It's not working out according to plan. And it's not when you think God's going to partner with you to shape a child's mind and, and to help them grow spiritually and to do homework, like they don't understand numbers and you're going to be the one helping them understand what a number is, you know, it seems a lot more exciting than it really is. <laughs> so these dreams, what I want to share with us, with everybody this morning, week number two of this series, a new way forward is what we're talking about. I titled this message, A New Dream. <laughs> a new dream. If you're taking notes, a new dream. So it's a Mother's Day message, but I believe it's for each of us, and I hope it gives all of us a new way forward for our dreams. Everybody here, doesn't matter if you're a mother, doesn't matter if you're a child, doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, I hope that you have dreams, and when we leave here, maybe, at least in one or two areas, maybe you'll have a new way forward in your dream life. Amen. How you dream what you desire, what you want to see. So last night, God gave me, I believe, some confirmation about this morning's message because I had a nightmare last night, <laughs> like a real nightmare. You know, like when you wake up and you're, like, scared and it's the middle of the night and you do what any grown man would do, you wake up your wife and ask for help? So I had a nightmare. I wake up and I, I shake Mary. I said, I said, babe, pray for me. She says, why? I said, I had a nightmare. I said, I don't even want to talk about it. Just, it was for real. I had a nightmare. Pray for me, right? So the reason that I asked her to pray for me, if you really think about it, is because I believe that my nightmare can be changed. Does that make sense? Right? I wake up, I'm um, a little bit worried, a little bit scared, a little bit like out of it, but I know that I don't have to stay in that place. So I asked for prayer. Help me change this. I don't want this nightmare. I want a new dream. So help me. So we pray. Then, when I got up in the morning, uh, I sent a message to the friend that was suffering in this nightmare. It was a nightmare and, and a friend that's very close to me and, and that I care about, that person and their family. You know, I didn't just say, I hope it doesn't go bad. I actually do something, you know, send him a message. Is everything okay? Everything okay with you? Everything okay with the family? What's going on? I, and I told them, I had a nightmare and I just want to check in on you guys, right? So here's the point. One, we have to pray for a new dream, but two, we have to do something physically in this world to redirect our lives off of the old nightmare and into the new dream. There are a lot of people who want a new dream and all they do is pray for it, but they never do anything about it. You do have to pray. You start with God, Mary, wake up, pray with me. I had a nightmare. I don't want the nightmare. I want the dream. But then when you get up, you got to physically do something. Hey, friend of mine. I don't want to see 
the nightmare come to pass, so I'm going to do something right here, right now, that we can redirect onto a dream instead of a nightmare. So you tell me, is this a reality? Is any of this stuff going on? Is there anything that I can do to help? Is there anything that maybe you need to do to help? We need prayer, but we need to do something. In the Bible, there's a story about a woman named Hannah, and she was barren, and she wanted a child. So what did she do? She prayed, and she cried, and she said, God, you got to give me one. God, you got to give me one. But then she physically got up and went to the church every day. And then she went to the altar every day, and then she wept, and she said, not only am I going to pray, but I'm going to do whatever I can do to see uh, my nightmare be taken and my dream be ushered in. And you know what happened? Her dream was ushered in. She got what she desired. So this morning, I want to share with you three R's uh, about your new dream. The first is realize, the second is request, and the third is relaunch. So realize, request, and relaunch. I'm going to share out of the book of Nehemiah chapter 1, reading from verse 1. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakalah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the citadel, that Han and I, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and, asked, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and I mourned for many days. So Nehemiah, the whole community of, of believers, of children of Israel have been taken into captivity and some of them have gotten out. So as they come back and give reports, he's like, what's going on in our homeland? What's going on with our family? What's going on with our friends? And they tell him, it's terrible. The city is burned. The walls are down. It's, it's unbelievably bad for the people that we care about. So he sat down, he wept, and he mourned for many days. He says, I was fasting and praying before God, before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now. Day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful... I'll scatter you among the nations, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Before I go any further, do any of us have anybody we know that you would consider as far from God as possible? We have kids that are as far from God as possible. We have friends who are far as, God, as far from God as possible. And what does God say here? It doesn't matter how far they are, I'll bring them back. Amen. He says, I'll gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. 
Now these are your servants and your people whom you've redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. Oh Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray. And grant him mercy in the sight of this man for I was the king's cupbearer. So Nehemiah is taken into captivity by Xerxes, king of the Persian empire who's taken over the whole world. Right? And Nehemiah ends up being his cupbearer. A cupbearer is one of the most trusted men in the kingdom. Why? Because when something is going to come to the king, he's going to eat. He's afraid of being poisoned. So the cupbearer comes in and he has to take a sip to make sure it's not poison. He risks his life every day so the king can eat. He takes a sip and he gives him the cup. He says, it's good. You can go ahead and eat. You can go ahead and drink. So Nehemiah is in that position in the Persian empire under King Xerxes. And he's praying to God. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, It came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Xerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and I gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore the king said to me, Why is your face sad since you're not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid, and I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city... The place of my father's tombs lies waste, and its gates are burned with fire. Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. So our three R's, realize, request, and relaunch. The first, realize. There has to be a starting point for the dream, for the nightmare, for where we are, for where we've been, and where we're going. We, there's some things we have to realize. Verse 6 of chapter 1 said, as Nehemiah is praying, he says, Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open, that you may hear the prayer of your servants, which I pray before you now, day and night, for the children of Israel your servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you both my father's house and I have sinned to realize is to look back and to consider so when you look back and when I look back and when we consider and we remember we should not be afraid of the truth we should repent of our sins and our shortcomings. There's not a perfect mother in this place. There's not a perfect father in this place. There's not a perfect child in this place. We have to realize that we're all in the same boat. We look back and we have to be able to say, not Lord, please forgive me for all the things that I've done that are bad. No, Lord, I look back and I did that wrong when they were one. I did that wrong when they were five. I did that wrong with whatever the topic is. We should not be afraid to look back like Nehemiah does. He says, listen, Lord, I'm praying for repentance for the kids because they didn't honor you. I'm praying for repentance for us because we didn't honor you. Not only us, it's our fathers, it's us, it's every generation. We didn't listen to what you told Moses, and I'm sorry. Too many of us are asking for a new dream without repenting of the nightmare. We have to look back and repent. It doesn't matter. Your kids don't have to be grown. I've got a 10-year-old. I've got an 8-year-old who's going to be 9 in a couple of days, and I've got a 4-year-old. i got plenty to repent for. You know, I was thinking about it as a father. You know, 
when these videos are playing, and I watch all three of my kids, right? Nate, Naomi, and Niall. I watch them talk about their mom. And I, I repented sitting in the back row this morning. Why? Because it's not my wife's responsibility to tell the kids what a great mother she is and all the things that she's doing. It's my responsibility as a father to remind the kids, your mother is more than a cook. <laughs> it's funny, but it's the truth. Listen, your mother is more than a cook. Your mother is good at other things other than clothing you and feeding you. Your mother likes to do things other than taking a nap. She can only take a nap because she's always running around after your little butt. <laughs> That's something I have to repent for. God's not saying from heaven, Mary, tell your kids what a good mother you are. He's saying, Vaughn, teach your kids what it means to have a mother and what she's doing. It's crazy. It's okay to be honest. It's okay to repent. We do it wrong. It's a nightmare. If those boys grow up and they marry a woman and they think all she's good for is cooking, cleaning, and, and giving them everything that they want and loving them, then I have failed as a father, as a Christian, as a man. What about you this morning? Can we look back like Nehemiah and say, God, please hear our prayers. But before we start asking you for a new dream, let us repent of the nightmare that we've been causing. The other part of realizing is considering and remembering that we've also been chosen by God to be mothers and fathers. It's not like you stole the job. Like, he chose you to be mom. <laughs> he chose you to be dad. That means he has faith in us. He believes in us. What kind of authority, almighty being, would put babies into our hands if he didn't think we could do it? I think about it all the time when we first had our kids. Like, we were so drastically underprepared for a life to be in our hands. But God says, it's okay, I trust you. You'll figure it out. You're not going to break them. <laughs> when we do marriage counseling, we marry people, we talk a lot about the fact that, like, God must think a lot about you to put this person's life in your hands. He says, all of her hopes and all of her dreams and all of her destiny, I'm putting it into your hands as a man. Take care of her and make it happen. All of his hopes, all of his fears, all the things that, that he wants to be and thinks he can be, I put it into your hands as a woman and look, make it happen, I trust you. It's the same thing as parents. You would think that he might have a better plan than putting broken people in, in charge of such precious children. But I think we should realize that it means something about us and the faith that he has in us. I think every mother in this place is special and I wouldn't trade you for some other mother? I think a lot of moms think like that. Like, man, if my kids had a better mom, like, what are you talking about? Like, you're the one. They don't get to trade. Amen. They get you. And you are enough. Amen. Same thing with us as dads. None of us are perfect, but this is, this is the dad they got. You know, you heard some of the testimony. Some of these kids are here without moms or without dads, and they've got a bunch of extra moms and dads and teachers and friends. Like a word in the foyer can mean a lot to somebody. So number one, realize. Number one, realize that you've caused the nightmare. Repent of it and ask for a new dream. Number two, realize that you are chosen by God to be the mom. You're chosen by God to be the dad. And that's a good thing. Number two is the request. So here's Nehemiah, and he's before the king, and he says, the king asked him, what do you request? He says, I prayed to, God, to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. 
See, we pray, we repent, and then we have to make a request. It's not the same as the prayer. The, re the request is not the same as praying. If you, if you remember my story about my nightmare last night, I woke up and first I had the prayer time, right? Mary, help me. Let's pray. I don't want the nightmare anymore. But then there has to become uh, the action part of that plan. I get up and I actually make a message and talk to a friend about what needs to happen. It's the same thing here with this request. We pray for a new dream and then we have to do something. Nehemiah says to the king, I want to be used to rebuild the wall. God will give you a new dream, but there's going to be some work that has to be done. Amen. Right? Here's the request. I'm sad because my people are hurting. I'm sad because my kids are far from God. I'm sad because we haven't done it right and we're full of sin and the kids are full of sin and nobody knows you. Help me, God. Help me, God. And then he makes a request. Use me to rebuild the wall. Don't, he's not asking for a miracle of a wall being rebuilt. Don't ask for a miracle of your kids just automatically serving God. Amen. Say, God, use me. Amen. I'll be the mom from today forward. I'll, I'll live, I'll have a new way forward from here on out, but use me to rebuild. Use me to be the voice in their life. They don't need to hear a message from Pastor Vaughn. They need to see a message in your life. Amen. They don't need somebody else to come along and lead them to the Lord. They need you to lead them to the Lord. Amen. They don't need somebody else to explain Scripture to them. They need you to explain Scripture to them. You have to say, God, I repent of the nightmare. Give me a new dream and then use me. Whatever you tell me is missing in their life. It's just like when they were born, they didn't have food. You didn't say, oh, Lord, send somebody with food. I went to work, and then I bought food. It's the same thing. Your new dream is going to require some new work from you. Amen. That might be a tough pill to swallow, but it's the truth. Amen. I really struggle with, with watching uh, people and their kids. <laughs> I should qualify that statement. What I mean is, I know a lot of people who are not Christians, and then I, I wonder, like, as they look at their kids, like, you love your kids, and I hear you say that you love your kids, but you think they're, like, just an accident, or they just got here because of evolution, and you just happen to sleep with this person, and then a baby comes, like, no, man, these are special, amazing gifts from God. It's miraculous. You cannot have a baby and not understand that it's miraculous, and it's bigger than you. It's impossible. But then we consistently fall short of living up to what that means on how we raise them and what we're willing to sacrifice for them and how we want to be used to, to raise them right. Nehemiah sees the problem and he says, look, I want to be used to, to do the work. I want to go from the good life, even though I'm in, in captivity, I have the good life. I live in the king's house. I eat the king's food. But I want to go back to this thing that's destroyed and torn down and the walls are fine, it's on fire, and I want to be used to rebuild it. I can't tell you how many parents reach out to me about their kids, and that's good. Like, we're here for you. We love them. But you know what? It's you. You got to rebuild the walls. You got to put out the fires. You got to learn how to do that because God says, I'll give you that ability. Amen. I'll give you a new dream but you got to build the house. So make that request. 
I don't know if that's part of the dream that you want, but I think that that's part of the reality um, of what it means to be a parent, to be a mother this morning, to be a father this morning. It's an ongoing thing, a new dream. The last one is the relaunch. I think it's great to have hopes for our children that they would have all of the amazing experiences available in this life, right? Like, I want my kids to do everything. I want them to play everything. I want them to go everywhere. I want them to have great grades and have great friends. I want them to, you know, I didn't get to go on that eighth grade American heritage trip. Number one, I couldn't afford it. Number two, I was always in trouble so they wouldn't let me go anywhere with the school. Like that was the story of me growing up. I got kicked out of, out of eighth grade. In sixth grade when everybody went to Disneyland, I had to ditch school and steal money to go. Went on my own, I got in trouble. I'm sorry, mama. Happy Mother's Day, I love you, girl. <laughs> But it was like I was just constantly doing the wrong thing and missing out on all kinds of stuff and getting in trouble. And I, I want the opposite. I think every parent should say, I want the best for my kids. I want them to do it all and see it all and be a part of it all. Amen. But I think it's important this morning to remember that if what we hoped for and what we hope for isn't what happens, our dream can still come true. Does that make sense? A lot of times we look at all the stuff that I just said and the things that I didn't say, but it's in your heart and in your mind, and we say, okay, well, if everything that I hoped would happen doesn't happen, then my dream has failed. That's not the reality. I think we're just looking at it wrong. We need a new dream. Here's what I ultimately want to share with you as we bring it to a close this morning. To me, the, the new dream is simple. My dream for my children is that they know and love Jesus. Amen. That's it. That's the whole dream. That's it. I don't have a bigger dream than that. I have other hopes. I hope that while they know and love Jesus, a whole bunch of things happen. But if those hopes don't come to pass, my dream can still come true. Amen. Some of us have the wrong dream, and we need a new dream this morning. Amen. The hopes are fine. But when you start mixing your hopes with the dream, it turns into a nightmare. John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus says this. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. <laughs> Jesus says that's the whole point. That's eternal life. If they know you as the Father and they know me as your Son, they have eternal life. They have everything that matters. They're going to spend eternity in heaven. Whatever you hope for here cannot compare to one day in eternity. See, the issue is, I don't know if we know that or if we believe it. Amen. What it looks like in our lives is that we believe that whatever the best this life has to offer is truly the best there is. If we believe what the scriptures say, that we are going to leave this place and spend eternity, either in heaven or hell, we would be much more concerned with eternity than we are with what's temporary. We know that this world is broken. Some people are rich. Some people are poor. Some people are born with diseases and, and all kinds of things happening to their bodies. Some people are born into uh, war zones. There's people we've been watching on the news in Syria where babies are being thrown into the ocean and drowned. We have to understand that this ain't it, you guys. And that we're not so special that God said you get to live in Southern California in the, under the safety of the United States Armed Forces and you are better than these people who are born there. We know that's not true. Amen. 
We know there's an eternity. We know that there's going to be justice. We know that there, everybody's going to have to answer for the way that we live. So why are our dreams so jacked up? All that matters is that our kids know Jesus. That's it. I hope that they get to know Jesus in safety. I hope that they get to know Jesus and have friendships. I hope that they get to know Jesus and see things and go places and have experiences. But my dream is that they know Jesus. See, if we adopt a new dream like that, even today, some of us could tell all of our friends and our family and our coworkers that all our dreams have come true. Think about that. If that's really your dream, for me right now, I watch my son uh, give his life to the Lord. I believe that my son, my daughter, and my little boy are below the age of accountability, where they're starting to figure it out a little bit. But if they were to die today, they'd go to heaven. But my older boy, my 10-year-old, he knows Jesus. He's saved. He's baptized. My dreams have come true. I remember standing here and weeping over him as he was getting baptized. I said, son, you're everything that your dad wants to be. You've already accomplished everything, all my goals for you. Now it's just about hopes. The dream has already come true. The dream's done. Listen to this. This is Psalm chapter 127. Bring it down. Verse 1. Also during the videos, I realized I need to calm myself down. I don't know if you guys could hear me, but I was preaching the back of all those little kids' videos. I was like, dang, that dude needs to calm himself down in the background. And we were upstairs. You were upstairs too? I tried to make myself feel better. I was like, she must have been in the foyer though, you know. Psalm 127, this is a song of ascents. We learned about this. So uh, all the children of Israel would come back to Jerusalem, the same city that the walls are broken down. When it was rebuilt, they'd always come back. Uh, three times a year, they'd go into the city, up to Jerusalem, to, uh, to worship and to have this community uh, coming back together. So that's what it says here in verse 1, a song of ascents. They're headed back to honor God for what he's done. Right? Solomon says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who... It is vain for you to rise up early, to stay up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children, say children. children. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the Anybody heard that before this morning? Amen. Let me ask you again because only one person. Has anybody ever heard the, the scripture that says, let me read it again. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Amen. That means like your dream house, God needs to be building it. Otherwise, you're building for no reason. It's going to come crashing down around you. It's only a matter of time. Everything you've built will come crashing down unless the Lord builds it. Amen. Right? So we've heard that scripture before. We might not believe it until we experience it. I remember experiencing it. I didn't know the Lord yet, and everything came crashing down. I was on the verge of committing suicide. Because <laughs> everything I had built, it had no substance and no uh, foundation. So it came crashing down. 
He says, look, I'm going to build it. It's going to last. And we, we understand that scripture, but I don't know that many of us understood what it was actually connected to. As soon as he's done talking about this, he says, children are a heritage from the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is a reward. He's saying, by the way, everything that you're trying to build and everything that I should be building for you, it's about generations. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about how much education you have. It's not about your experience here on earth and how comfortable it is or isn't. It's about a heritage from the Lord, blessing you with new life, blessing you with children, and watching the generations continue to know the Lord and continue to have a song of a sense as they go back and reflect on what God has done. So here's the last challenge. Our children are arrows that need to be formed and released. We don't think about kids like that. What this scripture says is that God looks at you and your children like this. You're supposed to shape them like arrows, shape them, mold them, get them ready, and then you put them into a bow and arrow and you launch them out. He says that's what it's supposed to be like to have kids. That's not what we think, and that's not how we act. The joy of a parent should be able to say, look at your kid in the eyes and say, now go with God and go for God. Bam. But instead, we treat them like little eggs. Oh, don't get cracked. Oh, don't let anything happen to you. God would never put you at risk. God would never let us be apart for more than like 20 miles. God doesn't want you to to lose anything, son, daughter. We treat them like little eggs that are so fragile. And then when they get 18, 19, 20, 25, we are mad that there's a failure to launch and they're still at home and they don't work and they don't have anything. Because they weren't supposed to be eggs that we protect from anything happening to them. They were supposed to be arrows that got shot out. Don't get me wrong, it's scary. (laughs) It's not easy to do. But it's what God did. He takes his son out of heaven, bam, and releases him into the world as far as possible as he could be from him, right? Out of heaven and into the world. And then when he lands in the world, bam, it changes everything for everybody. Our kids are supposed to be launched out as Christians into the world, changing everything for everybody. And we're just like coddling them. And then we wonder why they're jacked up. I'm not blaming you as parents. I'm not blaming my parents, but it's, we see it. If we open our eyes and we realize and we have a little bit of recollection about how we've raised our kids, what we've done and what we've tried to produce in their lives, it doesn't produce what we thought it would produce. I want to have an amazing 18 years with my kids of like mini launches, right? Like just across the yard. <laughs> Pew! Like right now, having little mini launches with Nate and this whole cell phone situation. Like when we're gone, we give him one of my work cell phones and let him hold it. And the the kid just like 87 text messages within the first 20 minutes. (laughs) But those are mini launches, right? Like, hey, son, you're going to take care of your brother and sister. Me and mom are going to be gone for a few hours. Pew. Pew. (laughs) But when that boy is 18, it's as far as I can pull it back and as scary as it's going to be and as much as it's going to really hurt me personally, I'm going to let go and then he's gone. I don't care where you go. You might go to the local JC down the street. You might go to NYU. You might go overseas to do something for the Lord. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm not going to treat you like a little egg. As hard as that is for me, 
That's what's going to happen. I mean, your mom might just take vacations to wherever you are. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, you guys. Let's be parents. Let's be Christian parents. Let's do what the Bible says. Let's see what God can do with these kids. And then we get mad because we're like, the world is falling apart. There's no Christians in politics. There's no Christians in athletics. There's no Christians in business. Well, then why don't we launch our kids out into those areas? Why don't we prepare them and shape them like arrows that are supposed to have impact instead of like little eggs that get broken every time they get rubbed up against? Amen. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to close talking about a, a mother named Elizabeth and her child. Elizabeth loved the Lord. God blessed her and her husband. They gave them a little boy. She had high hopes for her boy, right? Even when he was in her womb, God told her, hey, this boy is going to be great. So she's like all moms, like just rubbing on her stomach. And, you know, she got the 3D imaging. <laughs> when we had Nate, we bought the little headphones that you put on there and you have the headphones on. It's ridiculous. They never worked. But I could see Elizabeth doing that 2,000 years ago, listening to the heartbeat. And then John was born, her son John, and, and everything was going according to plan. The Bible says that, that uh, he lived the life of a Nazarene, right? So he didn't, he didn't sin, he didn't drink, he didn't party. He was just like just this awesome, godly kid. We don't know what happened like through all of his upbringing, but he got to this point where it looks like he never got married. And I'm sure his mom, right? Elizabeth probably hoped that he would get married, you know? She'd have a daughter-in-law, maybe some grandbabies running around, but he never got married. Toward the end of uh, his life, all the fruit, like he worked his whole life for something, and at the end, everything that he had produced and, and, and gathered was taken from him and given to some other man. I'm sure uh, any mother hates to see when their kids suffer loss, and that was Elizabeth and John's story. Like he, he had built this following, he had built these things, and at the end, Everybody that, that had come with him was gone on to another man. At the end of his life, uh, he found himself alone and in prison, and he died a very horrible, difficult death. I guarantee you that is not what his mom Elizabeth had hoped for, right? But here's the good news. John knew God in a way that even his mother Elizabeth didn't know her, know him. Like, she knew God in a special way, but he knew God in a more special way than she knew him. And I guarantee you this, when we get to heaven, Elizabeth's going to be there. We can walk up to her, any one of us, and ask her, Elizabeth, did your dreams come true? And she will say yes. Because all of the suffering, all the things that didn't go the way that I hoped that they would go has nothing to do with what I dreamed for my son, John. And that happened. He knew God and he knew him in a special way. You know what the Bible says about John? It says of all those born of women, there's never been one like John the Baptist. Imagine a mom that that was her dream instead of these other dreams. She could be depressed and sad and nothing worked out and it's not how I hoped and he didn't get this and he didn't have that and he didn't experience this. Or she could have God himself say, there's none like him. What dream do you have this morning? I think about the conversations that Elizabeth and John must have had about Jesus. 
these Holy Spirit encounters that they would talk about with each other. Elizabeth comes and, hey, this is what happened to me today. And John's like, you have no idea. I was baptizing people and I just felt the Spirit of God. And she's like, you felt that? When I was pregnant with you, your Aunt Mary came over and I felt the Spirit inside of me when you were in my womb still. And then he's like, well, I baptized like 100 people. And then Jesus came and the Spirit came down. Could you imagine these conversations? What, are, what conversations are you missing out on right now because you have the wrong hopes and you have the wrong dreams? We have no idea about a dream come true until you're talking to your children about the Savior and you know that they're talking to you about their Savior. You know what I'm saying? That's when your dreams have come true. When you're not telling your kids about church and you're not telling your kids about God and you're not telling your kids about Jesus, but when they're talking to you about what it's like for them to know the Savior and what it's like for the Spirit of God to be alive inside of them. We will not care about all the other things that we put so much stock into. Worship team, would you come? I get to do this because I'm the pastor, but I want to talk for just one second and then we're going to pray about my mom. So I'm, I'm talking this morning a little bit about experiencing with my kids, but also in experiencing with my mom, Miss Peach is over here. Because she'll always be my mother, but our bond is different now as we spend a lot of our time talking about our mutual faith in Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, not only is she in the church and lets me be her pastor, which is really strange if, if you can only imagine what it's like for somebody to call you, that's your mom. They birthed you into the world and fed you and did all that stuff. And then she'll call you and say, hey, pastor, I have a question. <laughs> so we have these conversations now where we're on the phone and she's talking about Jesus and I'm talking about Jesus and the spirit did this and the spirit did that. And it's absolutely amazing. That is really the basis of our relationship now. She'll always be my mother and she'll always have influence, but we have this like, this common meeting ground of our mutual faith in Jesus. And that's my prayer for every mother and that's my prayer for every father here in this place, that you would be able to talk to your children about Jesus, not in theory, but in experience. And I'm telling you, that'll be the moment your real dreams come true. I know I'm going to spend eternity with her. When we get to heaven, she'll probably be a 30-year-old and I'll be a 30-year-old. It'll be really weird. <laughs> but we'll both be there. Our dreams have come true. It's all icing on the cake. Now we get to hope that more people get saved in this church. We get to hope that people find salvation and then they're in her prayer course. Like It's, it's crazy what we get to do. And then with my kids, who knows what they're going to do? Nate told me the other day, what do you want to do, son, when you grow up? I want to work at the airport and I want to be a pastor. I said, look, dude, you can be a pastor, but you ain't working at the airport. <laughs> I said, son, look, you can do whatever you want to do. Just love Jesus. You don't have to be a pastor, but if you want to be cool, that's great. Just teach people about Jesus. I said, but I don't care what you do. Do something you love and love Jesus while you do it. Man, my hopes have simplified so much. My dreams have simplified so much, and I'm so happy. I'm not worried about my kids. I don't care what they do. I don't care how much money they have. I don't care where they get to go. They love Jesus. I'm happy. Do your kids know that this morning? 
Do your kids know that if they just love Jesus, you will be happier for them than anybody has ever been with a child? If they don't, you better tell them when you get out of here. A mother never loses her influence. This is the last thing I want to tell you. A mother never loses her influence. Some of you got grown kids. Some of you have kids that are far from you. Even if they act like they don't want to hear and they don't want to listen, believe me, a mother never loses their influence. They're listening and they're hearing. Even though we take that new dream and we put them, we make these arrows and we shoot them out, with God all things are possible. We feel like once we've let go of them, like they're on their own, miraculously by the Spirit of God, you can still influence the trajectory of that child. There are grown children waiting right now to get a call from their mother saying, son, daughter, I love you and I'm proud of you. I know there's hopes that you have that haven't come to pass yet, but I just want you to know my dream for your life is that you would just know Jesus and that you would love him and that you would know his love. I don't care about anything else. I love you. And then you can watch their trajectory change. Don't settle for just praying. Get up and do something. Rebuild the house according to the way of the Lord. So we're going to pray for everybody, not just the moms. Why don't we stand? It's not too late to have a new dream. And it's definitely not too late to have your dreams come true. All the things that we think we need to do and all the things we think they need to have, man, you can hear it in the testimonies of these kids. What's so special about your mom? She loves me. <laughs> We're breaking our backs to provide like the best experience ever known to man. And like, she just loves me. That's all I care about. Man, change the trajectory. Like we always do, I want to ask if anybody's here that's not saved and you want to be saved. You have a father in heaven that loves you like nobody else ever has or ever will. All he asks is for surrender. Lay down your old life, the nightmare, everything that's wrong, everything that you've done. Just like tonight, or excuse me, this morning, we said, all you have to do is realize that you've been a sinner and repent of your sin. And he says, okay, you're forgiven. I've already shot my son out and he's already died on the cross for you. All you have to do is repent. Anybody here this morning, you know you're a sinner. You know that not only is it a nightmare, but you caused the nightmare with your own actions. And you want today to be the day that the nightmare is over and you usher in a new dream. Anybody this morning, just raise your hand. Not saved, want to be saved, tired of the nightmare, tired of waking up in cold sweats, thinking about suicide, thinking is this the best that there is to offer, saying to yourself, I'm going to work hard, I'm going to make it all happen for my life, and then everything's going to be different. Man, give your life to Jesus. Get a new dream. Anybody this morning? Amen. So the first additional call is to the moms here in this place. If you've been listening this morning and in your heart you've been praying, Lord, I need a new dream. <laughs> I had the wrong dream. I was mixing my hopes with my dreams and I want a new dream. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask that you would go beyond the prayers that you've been saying for the last hour or so and that you would put some action with it. If you would come to the altar, you'd be saying, Lord, use me to rebuild it though, right? The prayers is one thing. The next step is to say, I'm coming to the altar saying, Lord, use me to rebuild. Use me to rebuild. Give me a new dream, but I want to be the one you use to make it come true. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, give them a new dream. Make it a simple dream that the kids they know, the kids they have, the kids that they influence, whether they be theirs or somebody else's, Lord, that the dream would be simple, that they would know you and therefore they would have eternal life, Lord. Whatever burdens these mothers have been carrying, Father God, we ask that you would loose them of those burdens, Lord. Give them hopes, but keep those hopes in their rightful place, in their rightful order, Lord God. You're a God of hope. Your word says that you've given us a future and a hope, Lord God. But you've already provided the means for the dream to come true, Lord. You've gone to prepare a place for us. You've already built a house. All we have to do is know you and you say that you will come back for us and take us to that place, Lord. For these mothers down here in this, at this altar this morning, Lord, use them to rebuild. Show them the new dream. Show them the new plan. Give them that vision, Lord God, and then let them put their hands to the plow. Let them labor. Let them rebuild the wall. Let them put out the fires. Let them be the ones to make the calls to those children, Lord God. Give them your spirit that they would speak your words in those moments, Lord, that they would be both encouraging, but also that they would take their rightful position as the actual parents, Lord God. That they would use their authority, that they would use their calling as mothers, Lord God. You have something for them. Give them that dream, Lord. Lord, give them the strength to launch out these kids. You didn't give them to us that we would hold on to them, but that we would launch them out. Prepare them and launch them. Prepare them and launch them, Lord. They'll change the world. Thank you, God. Thank you for these women. Thank you for these mothers, Lord God. Are there any others here for the women and for the men? If it's just a new dream, I don't care what the area is. But you know you need a new dream. You know you need a new future. You know that the one that you've had has a little bit of nightmare in it. I want to pray with you. Don't stay in your seat. If that's you and you want a new dream, man, now's the time for a new way forward. Don't stay back. Come forward. Hallelujah. I see you coming. I see you coming. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. God has new dreams for us. God has new dreams for us. It's your dream. It's got your name on it. God will send it into your heart and into your mind. Lord, we need a, a new dream, Lord. We need to be redirected, God. Help us to lay down whatever it is that's part of the nightmare, whatever keeps taking us back to those old places and that old way of thinking, Lord God. Give us more hope than we ever had for our lives, more hope than we ever had for our kids. Lord, we want to see them do amazing things, go amazing places. We want to do amazing things. We want to go amazing places. We want to see you in a new way, Lord God. But keep the dream simple, Lord, that we would know you, that we would have salvation, that we would know the Father, that we would be filled with your spirit. Give us a simple dream and a new way forward, a simple dream and a new way forward, God. Give us a simple dream and a new way forward, Lord. Make all our dreams come true. We can have all our dreams come true. We can have all our dreams come true. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Give them arms of strength, Lord God. Give them hands that will labor. Help them to put out the fires themselves, Lord God. Help them to rebuild the wall themselves, Lord God. It's by your word. It's by your will, Lord. We will not labor in vain. We will not labor in vain. Hallelujah, Lord. 
hallelujah, Lord. It's a new dream. It's a new day, God. A new way forward. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. So church, I'm going to pray with you guys. I'm going to release you. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're down at the altar, even if you're in your seat, just put your hands in front of you. Look down at your hands. Look down at your hands. And just repeat after me. Say, Lord, these are the hands you're going to use. Say, Lord, these are the hands you're going to use. Lord, I thank you for these men. I thank you for these women. I thank you, Lord, that uh, it's Mother's Day and we're focused on the women, Lord God. We don't have any of the people in this room if it isn't for mothers, Lord God, that you've called and that you've used, Lord, to bring life into the world, to shape life and to mold life, Lord. You've called us to make arrows and to launch them out, Lord. My prayer this morning is that as we look at our own hands, we would realize that these are the hands that you're going to use. It's not the hands of another man. It's not the hands of another woman. It's not the hands of another mother, Lord God. It's not the hands of our own children, Lord. It's these hands that you're going to use to rebuild the things that have been broken, Lord. The walls that have been broken down, the gates that are on fire, Lord God. These are the hands that you want to use to usher in a new dream, to experience the new hope, Lord. You say that we are capable you have faith in us, Lord. Have your way, Lord God. Let our dreams come true. Let our dreams come true, Lord. These women and these men, we have dreams, Lord. We need a new dream. We want to see it come to pass. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We're tired of the old dream not coming true. We're tired of the nightmares continuing to come back. We ask you for your help. And then we say, use these hands, God. Bless us as we go, Lord. Let us use uh, everything that we have at our fingertips. Let us call our mothers. Let us call our children, Lord. Put the new dream in our heart and then let us express it to those that we love, God. We love you this morning. We thank you this morning. We ask you to bless the lunches and the picnics and the family time that's ahead of us. And use these hands, God. We love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app 
by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.